It's funny, around our house, I don't know if it's happening with your house, but about uh, 10 times a day, it's like we're throwing out, well, i got to have some margin, got to have some margin, you know, that kind of thing. So it's kind of fun to talk about it, and you begin to see it. So hopefully it's, you're seeing it in your own life. So here's kind of how it goes. Sometimes it seems like our lives are on overload with too much, or too many. I mean, that's just how life seems. We just get to that point where we're running around at, at maximum speed and at maximum capacity. But at the same time that we're doing the maximum speed and the maximum capacity, more often than not, we're running on empty at the same time. It's a very dangerous setup. And so we really need some margin. And so we wish we had more time with family. We, we wish we could just enjoy life more. And I think most of us, if we would say, yeah, that's what I want, we would check the box, say, yeah, that's what I want. But the truth is, is that we are all in desperate need in our lives of margin. We, we need some space to breathe. We need, we need some room in our lives to, to really make some godly choices and some healthy choices. And so in this series, we're exploring what it takes to live life with margin, to, with some space to do that, and to learn the importance of creating space to breathe and respond to life in a healthy, godly way. Trying to figure out what that looks like. I mean, what's it, what's it look like to have margin? What, what is this all about? And, and so we're, we've been jumping into it. You know, week one, we kind of talked about just the basis of it. And last week, Brent did a good job talking about scheduling and time. And today, we're going to talk in just a few minutes about finances, that that's a huge one. So what is margin? Let me give you the definition. It is this, and this is the one we're working from, is the amount available beyond what is already necessary. It's the amount. It's, it's what's left over. It's, it's what's there that, that is beyond what is necessary. Or another way to say it is margin is the space around the pages of a book or your notes or whatever. You're, you know, it's that space. It's that room. So there's a little bit of elbow room. There's a little bit of space so I can move. It's the zone of protection. It's, it's the room that I need many times for air so I don't get destroyed in the process it's here's a radical one it's money left over at the end of the month it's it's that it's it's having time to think and dream and it's truly what most of us don't have that's what it is margin it's just one of those thoughts that we like the idea hey i'd like to have some margin in my life but the reality is many of us don't have and by the way i just want to throw this out how ironic it is that i would be up here for the last three weeks and next week as well, talking about margin, I'm probably, if you were to look at the last 12 months of my life, in the most stressed out, maxed out time in my life you've ever been a part of. And I think, Lord, you're a funny God that I would be up here talking about margin, and this is what I'm dealing with, all right? So uh, it's part of me as well, you know, and where we're at. So the amount available beyond what is already necessary. And, 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 and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I want to throw it back out there. When our margin in life decreases, a couple things happen. Is our stress level increases. It, it, life just gets really stressful. There's a lot of tension that happens when we don't have margin. I mean, that's, that's a big part of what happens when our margin decreases. Our stress levels just go way up. And a lot of us are stressed out because we don't have margin. We don't have any room for the things that really we should have room for, and it's just kind of out of control like that. And then the other thing that happens when margin in our life decreases is our intimacy level decreases. In other words, we can't engage in the relationships that we really need to engage in. 
whether it be family, whether it be with God, all of a sudden it squeezes out the really important things in life, which are really the relationships and the interactions that we have with the people and with God. That's really what's important, and we lose sight of that because margin, when it, it, it increases, that decreases. So just a couple thoughts. Here, here's our key text, and so each week we're challenging us to, to make room for God. Here's the key text, Psalms 10, verse 4. It says this, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. There's no margin. There's, there's no place. And, and, and here's the big reality from that text today is we need to deal with our independence and be willing to make room for God. Somehow, some way, there's got to be a willingness in us that says, I need to deal with this. I need to make more room. I need to create or figure out what's going on, why I don't have margin, begin to deal with it in all the different areas of my life. Somehow, I've got to deal with this. And, and, and so this text is challenging us to do that. So why is margin so elusive? How many of you feel like it's just hard to get a hold of, like me? I mean, yeah. I mean, why is that? I mean, I think this text actually explains it for us better than maybe I can. But, you know, why don't we ever really get to a place of margin on vice? And here's, here's three things right out of this text, our key text today. Number one is we think my way is the better way. Or I have a proud thought about how I do life versus how God wants me to do life. I just think that. And so our, our key text directly connects pride, which means without humility, which is stiffness or an unwillingness to bow down to another or an overestimation of ourselves as the direct cause or the direct opposite that we need, that there has to be this humility about us. But we think that my way is the better way. And here's, here's a weird thing about that. Most of us, if we were to say, hey, do you think your way is better than God's way? You'd say, no way. But yet if we look at our lives and how we live, it might say something different. If you ask us mentally to answer the question, if it's a test, a quiz, we would say, no way. I think God's way is my, much better than my way. But if we look at our lives to determine whether or not that statement is true, it might be radically different. Because somehow that's part of who we are, and so we've got to wrestle with that. Here, here's another thought, why margin is so elusive, is we have a misguided seeker. It says in the text there, it says, the wicked man does not seek him. Now, what it says is it's really that, that we're seeking something, we're just not seeking the right thing. We're, we're, we're seeking after stuff. We're, we're chasing after it. It isn't like we're not seeking anything. We're going after something. Every one of us in this room is going after something. We're chasing something, whether it's healthy, unhealthy, godly, ungodly. It, it, we're all doing it. And, and so the big margin thing that causes us not to get there many times is we've got a misguided seeker. We're chasing after the wrong things, and we don't get to the right place. And so that's in there. Here, here's another one. As we're, we are crowded in our thoughts, we're crowded in our thoughts. Our, there's, in our thoughts, there's no room for God. You ever thought about that? No pun intended. Anyway. Uh, you know, bird, squirrel. What happened there? Sorry. Anyway, where was I? Um, you, ever, you ever thought about that, that, that in our minds that we're so engaged in a hundred other things that the things that God wants us to be engaged in, we can't. You know, that we're so thinking about 
you know, maybe you're sitting there right now and you're thinking about what you're going to do the rest of this day. You know, you're, you're just thinking about all the different, you know, I mean, there, it's a hundred different things, but it's not the thing that God wants you to be thinking about. It's, it's all kinds of, of issues of what, how this is working or maybe what this, and actually the Bible tends to call it anxiety or worry. Don't be anxious, you know, for these things. But see, we crowd our thoughts. We fill our thoughts with all these things. And so at some point, some way, we've got to be able to take and move some of those thoughts out so I can put the things that God wants me to have in. And maybe I need to have some margin to make that happen. So we're crowding our thoughts. So today, we're going to look at another area that we desperately need margin in, and that's our finances. And by the way, we're not going to, you know, it's not going to be Hayes trying to go after a big offering. We're not doing that, all right? We're, that's not even remotely what we're asking for or thinking here. We're going to challenge each one of us to think about how we handle the resources of life in a way that maybe is going to have margin and make sense in our relationship with God. You know, no matter where you're at and, and how that looks. So, so what's it look like? What does it mean to have margin on our finances? So let me just throw out a couple thoughts here. If you earn $3,000 a month and you spend $2,500 a month, you have $500 margin, right? We get that. Okay. If you earn $3,000 and spend $3,000, you are broke, all right? Okay, got that? If... If you earn $3,000 and you spend $3,500 a month, you are bankrupt, all right? I mean, or stupid, depending on how you want to I mean, or normal, depending on where you're at in life, right? I mean, just, I mean, this, that's part of what's going on. And so a lot of times we, we kind of understand it. Okay, that's margin, that there's a little bit more left over. So financial margin means I have money left over at the end of the month to still honor God in some other way. And all the rest of it is honoring to God too. It's, it's being in a position financially to hate, help people, I almost said hate, to help people when they're in need. It's to be in that place that if there's a need, I can respond and I can be a part of that. I can, I can do that because there's margin in my life, in my finances. It's, it's margin financially means that I have peace. How many of you could use a little peace, Right? It's just that peace of mind. It's that peace that, okay, it's okay. Not that I'm safe and secure in my money, but I'm safe and secure in knowing that I haven't spent it all, so I'm at the end, and if anything goes crazy, I, don't, I can't make it. And there's just something about that. See, let me ask you a question. How many of you would be honest, all right, this is honest, and say you have experienced or are experiencing some financial stress? How many of you, just be honest, I mean... Most of us, almost, almost all of us. I mean, it, it, it's part of who we are, this idea that somehow there's stress. And the reason why most of the time that that's the case, not all the time, is because we don't have margin, because we don't have space to be able to breathe within our finances. So here, here's a verse in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. It says this, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp there down. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that the wealthy store up choice foods and oil. Because a lot of times that's what we think, don't we? We think, well, man, I'd have all kinds of margin if I was just rich, if I was just wealthy, if I just had. But it's, it doesn't work like that, does it? it? It really, the way it works is I'm still wise no matter if it's a big pile or a small pile. It's still the same way in life. The wise people understand this value or this importance of having margin 
and not letting it go. There's a wise way and a foolish way, not a wealthy way and a poor way. And so that's, that's what that scripture talks about. Let me, let me draw a, a, a comparison another way. And maybe you, you know somebody. I've known people just like this. And it's two families. All right, so, so here, here's, the, here's the one family. You know, from the outside, look like they got it going on. I mean, you meet them, man, they got it going on. You know, dress nice, you know, got the fancy car. You know, I mean, it's like every time you turn around, they got a new car. It's like, whoa, man. You know, you go to their house to, you know, to meet them for something, and you go up and you push the doorbell, and the doorbell goes ding, ding, dong, ding, dong. You know, like, whoa, man, the door's eight foot tall. It's got side glass and X stuff in there. Like, whoa, man, they got it going on. You know, you walk in, it's granite everywhere. I mean, it's like granite, 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 granite. Your your jaw drops down. You go into the TV room, and the big screen, it ain't no big screen. It's a wall. It's like the TV is the size of the wall. It's like, what is going on? And you're in awe. You know, and so you look at that. They got the bright, shiny car, the, the kitchen. But behind the scene, this is what happens. And I, this is really what happens a lot, is they're maxed out. And they're working two jobs. They don't see each other. They're going 110 miles an hour trying to make ends meet. They're, they're arguing all the time. They're stressed about the bills. They're fighting, fighting, fighting. They can't give. If there's a thing that happens at the church or there's a need, they can't really give because they've spent it all. And they're living the dream. That's one family. Then there's another family. You know, they, they choose to live modestly. You know, you go to visit their house. You, you push the doorbell. It doesn't even work. You know? <laughs> You're like, man. You know, then you go knock on the door. You know, it's, it's a hard door. It's half painted, not painted. You know what I mean? It's like, what the world's going on here? You know? And, and, and you just tell right away. Not that they don't care. It's just that isn't what matters. You know, the... They, they got the older house. They got the cars that might have a few more miles on it, maybe a few dings. Maybe it just doesn't look quite right. The, the yard isn't manicured. They don't have people coming by and doing all these different things. And they make a choice to have margin. They make a choice to have margin. But when you walk in their house, immediately you're not taken back by all the stuff or all the things. You're taken by, back by something else. And you know what it is? There's peace in this home. There's, a, there's something going on in this house that is uniquely better than what the other one had. They had all the stuff, but they didn't have this. They didn't, they didn't have, because there's this margin. You know, and they're able to enjoy life, and they're able to enjoy each other. They actually laugh a lot. They, they enjoy it. And, and they look forward to opportunities to help people. They can't wait to be in another position because they've created margin, and they can do that. And so they understand it. So margin is often the difference between being maxed out or stressed out and being able to have peace or not have peace. And see, when we begin to understand that's part of the picture here, we go, okay, yeah, I get that. That's margin. There's something about that. And again, I'm not dogging on a a big doorbell. If you got that doorbell, I'm not talking to you, all right? I mean, I'm talking to you, but I'm not talking to you. You know what I mean, right? So, so I mean, there's just this idea. And so, so today, I, I want to explore. There's a text of Scripture that I think deals really well with this idea of margin. And, and it's the Apostle Paul speaking to a young man, Timothy. 
And he's trying to give him some instruction about how to really look at finances and money and to try to have some margin in their life. He's just kind of trying to give him some good advice, some good direction. And, and here's what he said, okay? It's 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Let me say that one again. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, came in with nothing, and we can take nothing out. I mean, we came in with nothing, we're not going out with anything. It's pretty much a 100% deal, all right? There's nobody going to take anything with them. And so then he goes on, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Something about margin and contentment, they kind of go together. He goes on, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by the way, it doesn't say money, is it? It says the love of, right? It's, it's not a matter that I have some of these nicer things or that God would want to uh, let me enjoy some of the beautiful things of life and all those good things and that I would have, you know, the 120-inch the big screen. It's not, God is saying, no, 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 no. But if I love that, I could be in problem. We have a problem. So then he goes on. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith. So all of a sudden now, this thing isn't just, oh, that... Is not the greatest idea. Now it's costing me spiritually. And pierced themselves with many griefs. In other words, it became really painful. It hurt. The, the marginless life hurt. The marginless life cut. The marginless life. But godliness with contentment is great gain. And so he's laying it all. So let me just, I, just some general observations. Just I was reading through the text, and I was just thinking of some things that I think maybe would make sense, all right? General observations about the text. First one is this. Don't get too attached to the stuff because the stuff doesn't travel well. Okay? Don't get too attached to the stuff because you can't take it with you. I mean, it just doesn't travel well. There's no eternal carry-ons, <laughs> You know, walk up to heaven, I got my bags. I'm like, there's no bags in this trip, you know. You don't take anything with you. And so don't get too attached to it. Matter of fact, Mark 8, Jesus said it this way. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your soul? I was reading this week and I came across a little thought. It was this, is that in 100 years, everything that you own will be in the possession of somebody that doesn't know you. Doesn't matter if it's a family member. <laughs> They won't know you. Everything. Okay? Just, just a thought. Just kind of think through that. So here, here's another thought. So that's the first one. Don't get too attached to the stuff because it doesn't travel well. Here's another one. Few things in life can be classified as real needs. Few things in life can be classified as real needs. You ever thought about why it's so hard for us to accept that? Why is that we have such a hard time? I mean, I need HD cable. Right? I was being serious. I need HD cable. You know? I mean, why? We just, but I mean, man, I put need in front of things that have nothing to do with need at all. But, but few things in life can be really classified. He said, hey, if we have food and clothing, shelter, that's good. That meets my needs. 
But, but it goes on. And here's the main reason. The main reason is our culture defines great gain differently than God defines it. See, the world that we're part of right now is defining what's great. But Paul says, hey, godliness with contentment is great gain. But the world that we live in, the culture that we live in, the, the message that it's promoting around us is totally the opposite. They're defining it different, and here's how they define it. Culture's definition of great gain is this, more than I currently have. Or another way to put it is, I have, is having everything I want. And we're just bombarded with that thought. But the reality is, is few things in life can really be classified as needs. And so here's what happens then. So whatever I have now is not good enough. Doesn't matter what it is, it's not good enough because more is what I really need. Better, bigger, more. And so we, we, we buy into that, that definition. Or I need to do whatever it takes to get it. I need to just, just sell out. Man, if, if more is what I need, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get the more because that's the definition of great gain. And see, most of us have lifestyled ourselves right past financial margin. Let me say that again. Most of us have lifestyled ourselves right past financial margin. And most of our problems are not income issues. They are lifestyle issues. Can I just be really honest with you? Most of the struggles that we face with margin is because our want thing is out of control. And our understanding of need isn't in perspective to what it really is. And so we get lost in that. And, and, and so most of those problems, and so we have convinced ourselves that we need the biggest screen, the newest fashion, the latest technology, the fastest car, the fanciest kitchen, the beautiful yard, the dun da dun da dun da dun da dun da dun And we don't have margin. And so Paul, I think, is saying, hey, come on. you got to have some margin in your life, especially in your finances, because this next one is really important. Because chasing after riches will lead us to become dangerously overextended. See, some of us are living with no nets or ropes. <laughs> My son, the other day, he showed me a, a, a YouTube video. I should have bought, brought it. It would be a great thing to throw up. And maybe go. Do. It's these people that climb on, like, buildings and skyscrapers with no ropes or nets, and they're all just hanging on by fingers 70, 80 stories up. You know what I said when I watched that? It'll only be a matter of time before one of those guys dies. There was like five or six of them that did it, and they were pushing, 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 just going as far as they possibly can to the furthest edge, man, to the daredevil in them to go after them. Not a lot of margin. And they're living dangerously close to being overextended. And that's where a lot of us are, which sadly leads, by the way, and these are all part of the text, which sadly leads us to things like falling down spiritually. We fall down. We fall into temptation. We fall into a, a trap that we're unable to freely move. We, we make stupid choices or be foolish. We are plunged. <laughs> Immediately when I read that, I thought, toilet bowl life, toilet, toilet bowl life you know, all, that's our lives. <laughs> You know, we don't have any margin. It's, it's, we're, we're, we have this toilet bowl expression of life because we're being plunged, if you will. We're going off the cliff. It, and it says we're wandering, aimless. We're pierced, meaning we're stabbed. I mean, all these things. I, I came across this illustration. It was a ship captain down in, in the, the Gulf. 
And some drug dealers came to him and said, hey, uh, we'll give you $5,000 if you'll carry this package for us across the borders. He goes, no way. I'm not like that. They came back a week later and said, we'll give you $10,000 to carry this package across. He goes, no way. I'm not like that. Came back a week later and said, we'll give you $50,000 to carry this package, these packages across for us across the border. He goes, no way. Came back a week later, $100,000 to carry these packages across for him to get them across the border. He said, no way. Finally, $150,000 was off the, on the table. I said, we'll give you $150,000 to do this. He goes, no way. And immediately, he walked out of that meeting with them and went to the authorities and told them what was going on. They set up a sting, and the group got busted and all this kind of stuff. And the authorities came to him afterwards and said, hey, if he, they said 5, 10, 50, 100, 150, why'd you wait till now to come to us? He goes, because they were getting really close to my price. <laughs> right? So, chasing after riches will lead us to become dangerously overextended. Here's another one. General observations is, what I love sets the course for my life. Love the wrong things, reap the wrong results. That simple. Here's another one. Handling money without a God perspective creates a lot of heartache. A lot of grief comes becomes that because of that pain and headaches. We, what are many griefs in life without margin? It's things like debt, stress, pressure, tension, worry. Did you, I, I, I was reading an article that said that the number one cause of marital divorce is finances. That's, that's pretty heavy stuff. So those are some general observations. But So what do we do? What do we do? If we don't have a financial margin, what can we do? I mean, what would we do? I mean, how would we move forward? And, and I think the practical, simple answer, and we all understand this, is that I earn more and I spend less, right? And that's pretty simple. And that's, you can do that without God, to be very honest with you. You can go there and you can have some financial margin be just simply because you understood a very simple principle, earn more, spend less, right? But you can still enter into a lot of grease because you left God out of the picture. Another, another practical solution is you just act your wage, right? So if your wage is this, you just act appropriately, correct? You know, I mean, that, that, those are simple, but that's not the real answer. I mean, that's important, but it's not the real answer. And the real answer is much deeper. And Paul alluded to it to Timothy at the very first verse that we read today. Choose godliness to create financial margin. Choose godliness. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. He was giving him the answer. He said, here's the answer. Choose this. Don't choose that. Choose this. And so we need to look at what's that look like? You know, what, what does that mean? Godliness is a focused, God-focused attitude to be pleasing to him. And there's three choices, and I'm just going to throw them out to us today to consider. First choice is this, choose to put God first. Choose to put God first. I, I have to choose that. I have to choose that decision because financial margin starts when I begin, excuse me, to understand it all belongs to God. And I choose to honor him First and foremost, especially with how I handle what he's given me. 
So I, I choose to put him first. And by the way, and this is my one little you know, financial thought for us today, is the first step is to begin with tithing. That's why tithing is such a big deal. It's the first fruits that we bring to God. It's the decision that we've made. It that it all belongs to God, and I'm going to come and I'm going to lay it before him because, Lord, it all is yours, and I want to honor you, and I want to put you first. And so tithing is that first step. And so, you know, and I'm not going to beat it up here today, but I'm just going to let you know that's, that's God's plan. Check out the scripture in Deuteronomy. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. See, some of us, we don't put God first because we haven't really addressed this issue of how we look at our finances. If we look at our finances and think it's all me first, mine, all that kind of stuff, we're missing the first choice, the first point of godliness, and that is to choose to put him first. So then it begins to look like this. When we bring God our first and best, God will bless the rest. I didn't come up with that. Somebody else did. When we bring God our first and best, it breaks the power of greed and consumerism. Why? Because it's not mine, it's all his. And so I'm not as quickly going after the wants that I want. I'm looking to what he wants. Changes it. When we give God our first and best, it builds faith because this is kind of how it works. If I put, if I put my money where my mouth is, all of a sudden I'm really saying, I trust you, God. I trust you. I, I'm not playing spirituality. I'm not playing with you. I'm not saying, God, that somehow I trust you here, but I don't trust you over here. I trust you. Matter of fact, I trust you first and foremost right now with my finances because I know I need help. And if I lose sight of that, I'm, I'm out there. And so I just wrote, if you say you trust God and don't tithe, you are compartmentalizing your faith and short-circuiting God's work in your life because it's all about trust. It's all about trust. God, I trust you over here, but I don't trust you over here. I've got to choose to put God first. Here's the second one. Is I have to choose what's better. Choose what's better. See, contentment comes from understanding there is a better way. Check out Proverbs 15. It says, better to have little. Some of us need to just read that verse over and over again. It's better to have little. Better to have little. And with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. See, it's, it's better to have money to give away. It's better. It, it's better that when your car breaks down, you don't break down. You understand what I mean? Meaning if something doesn't go right, it's better that you have margin in your life that it, it, it doesn't take you out and knock you down and trap you and put you in all these kind of crazy stuff. It's better. And I want to choose what's better in my life. One of the things that I, I, I didn't realize in my own finances for years is I didn't understand the better. It's better to have margin. It's better to not be in a place where everything is check to check and, and, and day to day and month to month. It's better because I've looked at what I really need and what I don't. It's better. I choose what's better. Here's a proverb, proverb chapter 8. It says, I have riches. The Lord's kind of spe is speaking here. I have riches and honor as well as enduring wealth and justice. My gifts are better than gold. Even the purest gold. My wages better than sterling silver. 
And I begin to understand that there's something better. See, it's, it's better to be rich relationally. It's better to be rich spiritually. It's better to be rich in peace. In peace. It's better to be rich in generosity than it is to have all those other things. It's better. I have to choose better. I have to choose it. See, God wants me to understand, and this is one of the things, I had a conversation with somebody earlier this week, and we were talking about how God never, ever, ever wants something in our lives that's going to ruin us. He always wants to give us stuff that's going to make life better, no matter if it's difficult or not. And so I choose what's better. I thought about it this way before I get to the last one, is I don't have one story of a purchase that brought me to tears. I don't have one, you know. I've never went to TJ Maxx, walked in, and found those shoes that I'd been dreaming about in my dreams. And when I touched them, there was goosebumps that went all up and down my arms. And when I went up to the counter, they said, we actually were going to take an additional 10% off. And I just fell down in a heap in the aisle and started ball. The shoes, the shoes. I have no stories like that. I have zero. Right? But I do have stories of times that people have given either to us or been around people that have given that has truly overwhelmed me. People that have given sacrificially that brought me to my knees. Oh, God, that's amazing. I have come to the points where I've watched people love somebody sacrificially and giving to them out of margin or not out of margin that made me just go, that's God right there. That's God. And it moved me because they had chosen what was better. I have stories like that. Maybe you do too. And you understand that. Choose what's better. Last one, as the worship team comes, is choose to live with character. Choose to live with character. See, to not have margin is also a sign of my lack of character. This one's kind of hard to swallow. You know why it's hard to swallow? Because a lot of us don't ever want to have somebody say, you don't have character. But see, if I don't have margin, it really speaks of my lack of character. There's, there's something lacking in me that margin speaks volumes about character. It's, see, to have character means things like I am disciplined, that I'm faithful, that I'm trustworthy. God, if you give me something, I'm going to handle it correctly. It's character. It's, it's understanding that, that character means that I'm mature that I act with self-control, that I'm, I'm patient and I'm, I'm not self-centered because immaturity always thinks self-centered thoughts. It's all for me. <laughs> it's all about me. You've got to choose character. Or, or maybe character has to do with being diligent. See, some of us don't have margin because we don't have the character of diligence in our lives. Diligence means things like I work hard. I don't give up easily. I follow through. I have to choose character. See, margin has to do with giving God or putting God first, choosing what's better, and choosing to live with character. Here's the verse, Proverbs 21. The plans of the diligent end up in profit. But those who hurry end up with loss. Those that are just 
out of control. Those who gain treasure with lies, that's not character, like drifting fog leading to death. Just a matter of time. So, today, make a choice. What's the choice? Here's the choice. It's all about trust. It's all about trust. Lord, do I trust you with my finances? Enough that I can give them to you and make you the Lord over them. Can I, can I trust you with that, God? Can I put you first? Can I choose what's better according to what you say is better? Can I choose to live with character, godly character? Can I trust you? And God will prove himself faithful. Now today, so, a couple of cool things are happening. Number one is when you leave, we bought a, a pile of books that are called Worry-Free Finances. Great little book. I've read most of it already. And we want to give it away. All right, so for every family that's interested in actually having great finances and a great perspective, when you leave, grab one of those books for your family, read it, all right? Cool? The other thing is, is when you get ready to sign up today a little bit later on, there are two classes coming up in February, uh, March. One is called Crown Financial, 10 weeks long. The other one is called Breaking Free, and I think it's uh, six or eight weeks long, all right? Great opportunities to put actual feet to what we're talking about okay let's pray Lord we love you we realize that God you have nothing but good things planned for us so Lord today as we come to the end of the message Lord may we just make a decision may we make a choice that says God we want to put you first May we make a choice that says, God, I want to choose what's better. I don't want to keep choosing what's lame and, and, and self-centered. Lord, I want to choose what's better. Lord, I want to choose to live with character. So, Lord, help me. In Jesus' name, amen.